Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Carl Carlson. And this is Fred Schenkelberg. And he introduced himself as Kirk Gray. And it sounded like a weather reporter. And I gave him a hard time with that. So, <laughs> so you've, been, you've been working on how to say your name? <laughs> well, that, and I also did a transcript where my name was, I said my own name a couple of times. And other people, when they said my name, the translator, the text to speech or the speech to text device got it right and even spelled it right where if it wow. was me pronouncing it it was totally wrong um, <laughs> that's so too much i, I digress so nope. so here, here's a topic for today i've been uh, thinking about something that i want to share with you uh that i hope the listeners are interested in i do i for years and years going going, going all the way back to uh, general motors uh i've been involved in recruiting and in you know helping people in careers, and I've done that with a lot of uh, colleagues that are that I work with, mm-hmm. as well as uh, relatives. And I was just talking with a, I guess you'd say a, a grandniece would be the <laughs> the right uh, phrase. You're sounding uh, old here, Carl. Yeah, I know, <laughs> grandniece. <laughs> and about uh, careers and that type of thing, and that's what brought this to mind. But the I thought it'd be interesting podcast to talk about. Your career, career advice. You and I just sharing uh, our the advices we give to readers and listeners about how to advance their career, both inside an organization, and then maybe a, a different podcast would be if you want to change jobs mm-hmm. to uh, to to try out a different company or or if you're looking for work in a different place. So we're st- we're starting from the point where you've landed a position with a company and you're starting your career. You're, it's like your first job outside of the ice cream shop, unless you really want to work in an ice cream shop. But Yeah, yeah. Well, or it could be your first job, but I'm, it's also wherever you are. Yeah. You might you might have been there 20 years. How do you advance your career inside your organization? inside the company, mm-hmm. even if you're new or if you've been around the block, okay. the advices would apply to both. Okay. Okay. Got it. And and I'll kick off something just to start it off and then turn it back to you. We can go back and forth. Uh, one of the things I've learned and I give advice to anybody that I'm mentoring or working with is to always do more than is anticipated. And especially in terms of the quality of your work. So whatever you're assigned to do, I think it's good advice to do the work but do it in a quality that you think is more than anticipated or that will come across as more than they expect. So, so for me, it's usually means do spell checking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it always trips me up. But, well, you know, there'd be more than I expect from you. I'm just I'm kidding. Yeah. No, there, yeah, well, you're like my daughter. She, she was correcting my spelling when she was four years old. Uh, yeah. Um, it was that bad. But the, the, the uh, um, I, I, I don't know about that advice. I, I I think it's, I would touch that a bit, touch it up a bit and say, you know, and it's part of it's from my experience with, with what is it that people want versus what they ask you to do, you know, and we get this in consulting and, and learning about how to 
to scope a project or whatever, to, to work with a client to help them solve whatever issue they're facing is the first step is understand what it is that is the real issue. Somebody says, hey, can you design a test for me? All right, well, what do you need the test for? Well, we, we need the results of the test. Well, if you get the results, what will that get you? How does that help you? And, and so on until you get to, oh, they got to decide which vendor to use. Okay, that's guides what's the quality of the result that you actually need to provide. I can make, a, I had a student just this week uh, send in a, a project report that was polished. It was beautiful. It was really hard to read. He used a light blue font on a gray background so for the headings. I'm like, what? This is nice. You got nice rounded graphics and all the other cool stuff, but your answers suck. <laughs> you know, no, it, you know, the, you're not answering the question. So, he didn't take the time to understand what the real question was and uh, to answer the question. And, and if you're at work and somebody says, Hey, can you give me, run this test for me? I would say you can create a beautiful report with pictures and diagrams and beautiful fonts and all the other beautiful stuff. And you get great results and it's very well described and meaningful. But if it's answering exactly the wrong thing from what they expected, I think you missed a step. Yeah, and you know I'm going to agree with you on this. The, uh, <laughs> that, and that's by dressing it up. I agree with the. So by quality of the work, I'm not talking about the uh, uh, the how pretty it looks and that type of thing. I'm talking about adding value. In other words, you want to add more value. Whenever you're assigned a task, you want to focus on adding value and try to add more value than people anticipate. In other words, take take it the extra amount and really get to the right question, the right topic, the right task that adds value to the company. Uh, that That's what I mean by quality. Well, it's also, I mean, to the company, but also, you know, that boss or the director or whoever that is, you know, going to be reviewing this content or this product of your work is, you know, they may be motivated by all kinds of different things. It's part of this, I think the, the advice is sound in the sense that, it demonstrates that you're paying attention to what's happening and how this information is going to be used and then working to make sure that information is right on spot to be most useful and valuable when it's produced. Whereas as opposed to turning the crank and here's your number, you know, kind of thing, here's the same exact results, but it's not in the right context that's then easy for the people that you're trying to provide this info to, to understand and, and, and digest and everything else. I think it goes two ways. One is it shows your work, but it also shows that you're interested in how this work is going to be used and where it applies and how it's, how it's important. That's good advice. That's good advice. In fact, um, uh, they, that, that triggered a thought that that's similar to it, uh, which is, has to do with marketing yourself. The uh, I've seen people go too far on it. Oh, yeah. And I've also seen people do too little of it. I've, I've seen there were times in my career where I would I th would do what I think is a really wonderful job on something, but I didn't hardly anybody knew about it. Mm -hmm. And that would be the pendulum too far where you're not marketing yourself. The other part is just is to always go overboard to make sure everybody's aware of what you're doing and have it in the best possible marketing. There's a middle ground where do good work, but, but make sure people are aware of it. You know, one of the other things I found, and it's similar to the marketing part, and I th and it's guided me ever since I learned about it. And this was from Dick Moss when I was at Hewlett Packard, is, and it had so many benefits inside the company. And part of both Raycam and HP when I worked there was 
if others recognize you as the expert or that you're the go-to person for assistance or help or advice. And it was kind of an intangible thing, but it was also an, I nod towards that you can have a tremendous amount of influence in an organization independent of your position. And one of the things Dick did in HP is he started early on in the early days of emails and email lists and stuff. He started a, a it's called the DFR list and it would, it had thousands of people on it. And if you could go ask somebody in the organization, Hey, how do, should I approach this problem? And you'll get a genuine answer or, or you'll get, I don't know, let's go ask, you know, Sarah. And, but the list provided a way to go ask a thousand people. And you would get 20 answers the next day that would circle around really good advice. And so, and if somebody didn't get an answer, then uh, Dick Moss would, since he knew vast majority of these people from all kind of his career there, he said, hey, you know, Sarah, why don't you jump in on this answer? So he didn't, he would answer questions, but he more often helped other people show their, their knowledge and skill and experience. So how would we turn that into advice for a listener in inside their company or inside their organization. Well, it's one of those things, and you've seen memes about this all the time. Uh, you know, a manager standing on top of their employees taking all the credit, where a leader is saying, "Hey, I, for me to be successful, you have to be successful. I'm not going to stand in the way of you getting promoted. I don't stand in the way of you getting credit for your work, even though you report to me, even though I asked you to do the work." If you genuinely help other people be successful, it doesn't diminish from your opportunity to be successful. And, and my argument is that it actually enhances it. That's a great advice. I, I've got one on a different um, different tack, if you will. Okay. I, I like, I've done this for, I'm going back many decades. I try to spend at least 10% or more at least that's redundant, um, <laughs> on, on general improving my skills and learning new things. In other words, 10% of my time, not just doing my job, but on expanding my awareness. Uh, Stephen Covey talked about sharpening your saw mm -hmm. to where you take classes, do like, like when I go to Rams, I actually sit in. I mean, I've been doing this at my first Rams was 1994. Um, the, you know, presenting, I mean, in 1994. But every Rams I go to, even now when I'm doing tutorials, I sit in and I try to learn from other people mm -hmm. because I, I follow that advice of of never just resting on your laurels, so to speak, which it seems like a bad thing to do, um, but always trying to learn more. That's So that's another advice. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, I remember when I was at Raychem, the library had a service they offered. You could sign up for it and say, I want to see the table of contents for these, you know, X number of journals. And they had bundles and you could customize it. And they would photocopy the table of contents of these various document your journals, mostly technical journals, and and send it over to you in inner office mail. And this is like the early, early days of email at all. But they would just photocopy and send it to you in a shotgun envelope. Remember those? Yes, I do. <laughs> and huh. and then I would highlight the ones that I was interested in, and then they would send me the articles. They'd photocopy the article and send it over to me. And it was easy to get the 10%. 
And my boss one time says, why do you spend so much time doing this? And he says, do you remember, wow. you know, that problem we were talking about last week? And I said, you know, why don't we do this? And he says, well, that comes from this paper. Wow. <laughs> you, know, you know, I didn't, I saw a couple articles on Monte Carlo simulation and I really didn't know what that was. So I read the articles and I was like, well, I, I, then I dug into it some more. And, and that's where I did the simulation for this modeling project over here. I didn't even know that process existed. And he goes, you know, uh, why do you need, you know, he's kind of like, why do you need to know all this stuff? He says, so I can actually solve problems. <laughs> and I, yeah. Oh my goodness. So at that point, there's another piece of advice. You get a boss like that. It's time to go find another boss. <laughs> I'm thinking that exactly. <laughs> just, just to reflect uh, on what you were saying, because when I was the GM, I would do something similar, but I would, I would go out to, um, it was a different, it was in, in the research department and they had, organizations that that made the they call them research briefs or research mm -hmm. uh, summaries and i would go in there and i would learn from them i just sit and read a little little bit each every week i try to go over and and maybe spend an hour mm -hmm. and and then later I, I started helping them get information about reliability into those research briefs right so it, it sort of became a two-way flow right after a while but it was all on that same path of uh, in, in religious venues, they call it tithing, uh, where you spend a certain amount of your money towards the general church. But on uh, organizationally, it, it means spend a certain amount of your time learning more and maybe even helping outside your swim lane, so to yeah. speak. Well, that that brings up another whole piece of it is is it's too easy to stay in your silo it, it, within a company. Yeah. and. What I have found is that, and I found it in when I was working at a couple of companies and working with with um, clients, is that the folks that could go, you know, our sister division does something similar to that. I have a friend over there. <laughs> Let's go talk to them and see what they did to solve this particular problem. You know, it just dawned on them. I'm like, oh, this is similar. But the, it was part because they were willing to be made aware of what other people were dealing with, what problems they're having, what solutions they're having. And what I found, not just from that practice of being, you know, a broad learner and being aware of lots of different things going on, and genuinely just a curious person, is that the senior management would go, that's a sign of a, a, a top contributor. That's somebody that's putting things together, connecting the dots, because they're looking for where the dots are kind of thing. Whereas other people that are head down just doing their job are rare. Other than the experience they bring in with them, they're not going to connect the dots across the organization or across silos or across groups. And so that's another piece of advice. Is that's a really good advice. And building on that is, is it, it's so important to understand how your work integrates with the broader organization and to understand the broader organization and so you can make those pathways of how your work or your 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 department integrates and to, to build on what you said a little more is where, where i've had the best success in my career is where i've actually i'll use the word volunteer but that's the wrong word you raise mm -hmm. your hand and you see a need and you say i'd like to to do some of this work and and particularly tough assignments, and this is the message I wanted to make that sort of resonates from what you were saying, mm -hmm. is that sometimes we need to go out of our comfort zone. 
because when you're talking about being in the silo, that's your comfort zone. Uh, the and and so stretching your capability, doing that presentation to management that makes you cringe or gives you anxiety, or going over and knocking on the door of a manager uh, that is responsible for an area that you think you need to interact with, mm-hmm. and just walking in the door and talking. Those things may be out of your comfort zone, but they are really important in terms of expanding your career opportunities. Well, it, 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 there's so much to go with that. It's, <laughs> it's, now, another piece of advice I give people, whether they're looking to stay in a company or go to their next company, is is two pieces of advice, and they're related. One is always be looking for your next job, always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's opportunities inside and outside, and if you're not looking you'll not see them. And two is prepare for your next job. And and part of that is if, if what you're doing now is, you know, you're, if you're still just executing what was on the um, res or the uh, job sheet, you know, the job description, or when recruiters put out saying, I, we want somebody that's, you know, a high contributor and communicates well and does, you know, all these generic things and, and can use Excel, you know, whatever. If you see an opportunity in your current job to add more value, to be a higher level contributor, to change the way that work is done in such that it improves it for you and for your colleagues. Um, for like example, if, if you don't, you're in a small company and they don't have a, a systematic way to track defects, like a fracas system, for example, install one, get it started, pilot it, make it work. And then ask permission, you know? <laughs> yeah, don't wait. Yeah. Don't wait for someone to tell you to do it. Yeah. Oh, really good uh, good advice, Fred. The, and in fact, that was, that's one of the things that's been going around my mind here on this subject is be the person that doesn't just wait for being told what to do. Be Anticipate what you think needs to be done. Yes, you can coordinate, collaborate. You don't want to be rogue. Uh, you don't want to commit to things that the company doesn't support. But you have to be that person that's always looking. And I agree, you don't want to stagnate. Uh, you want to be looking. I would I would say it the, similar to what you did, but the, you're always looking to uh, find ways to improve what you can do for the company, which could be a, a different role or it could be your same role, but you more responsibility. It. Yeah, you, you just it. evolve the role itself. And yeah. so there's taking on you know, those elements. Now, one thing, you know, we haven't mentioned it just on him is we haven't mentioned the, the idea of it's, I mean, some companies make it formal and it stifles it, but the mentorship part is build relations across the organizations and up and down the organization. And you, you may or may not call it formally this or that or the other thing, but it's somebody you could say, Hey, you know, I run into this issue. You've got some experience in this stuff. You know, what do I do here? Somebody you can be honestly vulnerable with, that has an ability to um, assist you. To, to, and it might be Somebody in the company that, that or outside. Somebody has your back. Yeah. Somebody that has your back. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And within a company, getting a good mentor um, then is that sees your work, the quality of your work, sees that you're, you know, want to improve and you're looking for opportunities to make a difference. Um, they can be invaluable to you know, steer you clear of landmines that you just can't see. You don't have that vision yet. And and so I think there's parts of that. Um, there's also a downside. If you latch on to the wrong person and they could take you into the poorhouse just as fast as they go into it. So you know, <laughs> make sure yeah, somebody you trust and respect. 
That's true. But, you know, an interesting thing, looking at it from a different point of view, uh, is I, I don't know that everybody that's that it's an employee understands that some people like to be mentors. In other words, it isn't mm -hmm. like you're putting someone out when you when you seek a mentor or you seek that kind of relationship. It very often adds job satisfaction to a higher level executive to sit down with someone yep. and spend a little bit of time. Uh, but in that role, you have to be the person that listens and you have to be the person that follows direction or uh, can give feedback. I tried this and that, and here's what I ran into. In other words, mm -hmm. it, there's actually a relationship you're building that you have to be part of. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever been in a relation, you know, situation where I would call it a mentor. I refer to some people now as mentors because they played that role, but it was just started by being curious, you know, what's your day like? And being honest about it, you know, as I was in meetings, mm -hmm. why do you go to so many meetings? Well, we need some place to sit down in the building. <laughs> you know, <with> that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can see how that's important. But do you miss the engineering part? Oh, I really miss that. What do you, and she was like, what are you working on today? Oh, this and this. And she's like, let's get some paper out. Let's solve this. You know, let's work on this. It was, and that just started a, a casual, you know, how's your day going? What are you working on today? You know, and, and she was very open to, you know, I'm really struggling with this one. And it was usually 30 seconds. It was, she would go, well, look at it this way. She wouldn't answer the question, which yeah. is frustrating in the moment, but she said, look at it this way. And then all of a sudden you can see the answer or you can see a way to get to an answer. So it's well, invariable, but she also was had my back. She knew I was curious. I was, you know, trying to make a difference and, and, and supported me, sent opportunities my way, you know, did all kinds of stuff uh, that made it work. Um, peruse the job board, you know, talk to your, one of the best career moves I ever made was my battery commander in the army says, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's not an uncommon question for most managers to ask their employees, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'd flat saving money to go to college. And, and he ended up help putting me on a path to get a full scholarship. Wow. You know, and it completely changed the trajectory of my life and career. And it was a, a two minute conversation. You know, what are you going to do when you grow up? I have a small one that uh, it, it seems small, but it, it, it can be very important, which is one of the values that I ascribe to is to never embarrass anyone in, in public. In other mm -hmm. words, in front of others. If I have a bone to pick or a criticism or a feedback to give somebody that's that's not necessarily positive, I'll do it one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. and I'll mm -hmm. characterize it and try to make it a positive experience. But what I won't do, because it's happened to me, I've experienced it and mm -hmm. I've vowed to never do it, is to embarrass someone in front of others. Yeah. Because that, that's one that people will never forgive you for. Yeah. Yeah. Another week, that'd be a whole another couple podcasts of all the landmines and do's and don'ts. <laughs> but the idea is, is that Nobody in this organization, with rare exception, really is looking out for you and your career. They don't know you or what your aspirations are, what your interests are, what you think, what you feel good about doing, what kind of rewards you're seeking. Is it, you know, this, that, or the other thing? Nobody knows that but you. And so take charge of it. And you've probably heard this trite phrase many times, is you're in charge of your own career. And within an organization, you have the unique ability to see things that an outside applicant can just can't fathom. You have day-to-day -day contact and you can see the ebb and flow of things. You see all of the announcements. You have access to information that 
another job seeker just would never have. And so all of those things, along with doing your your day job, matter. And I think by being interested in what other people are doing, what other opportunities available, where you could apply your skills, makes doing your day job easier and better and more effective. I think it's not a lose situation by looking for your next job. It's I think it can actually be done well to enhance your work. Well, well, yes. And and before we open it up for or round things up on this podcast, I wanted to mention one other thing and and kind of plug uh, one of the chapters in our book is I I believe that from a reliability engineering, reliability management, quality, all of the uh, the illities like this, uh, it's so important to work on from a career standpoint to work on your communication skills. Always, 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 because we get very good at technical skills, and most of the courses we take are around technical skills. But the communication skills are what brings the technical skills into value yep. into the company, yep. and you learn how to influence other people like that. And Fred and I, uh, for to the listeners here, Fred and I have spent quite a bit of time on what is now Chapter 11 and 12 in our new book on the subject of communication skills the different types, what you can do, where you can learn more. And that's an ongoing skill enhancement. You never reach the pinnacle. You can get better and better at it. And that's a huge plus to your career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised it took us <laughs> almost right at the last minute here. To, but it's something I think our listeners know that we we talk about you have to be able to communicate well and listen well and all those other aspects. But yeah, we have a lot of good advice coming out in a, actually a coherent fashion. I think it's coming together. <laughs> yeah. Now it's getting there. So anyway, um, it, this was, you know, what do you do inside the company? And, and so we're, we knew this would be a full topic and I think we could probably talk another hour on this. Easy. Um, but if you've got questions or you're looking at your current situation and wondering how to apply some of this stuff or if you have some other ideas or suggestions you'd like to get shared out there, let us know. Head over to ascendoverliability.com slash go slash SOR and you can find a couple of ways to contact us there. Uh, Carl, I, and, and the other hosts of the show are available through LinkedIn or on our About pages. So there's plenty of ways you can get in touch with us. And we sincerely look forward to hearing from you. And if, well, I don't know what's happening in bicycle company XYZ or the Acme production company. Um, we've seen a lot of situations in our careers. So we, we might be able to give you a bit of advice one way or the other um, to help you move forward. And the topic might be an interesting podcast in and of itself. So let us know. So that, Carl, I, I'm just kind of going, my head's now going, well, well, we forgot to talk about this. I know there's so much more, so yeah. we'll definitely do another one in the future. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thanks, Carl, for bringing this one up, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Fred. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.